Hello there, and thank you for joining me today in the chicken coop. This is Deb Cardi, and it is a beautiful day up here on my little bit of Mount Hood, which is so lucky because we've had some pretty bad weather, and I've got some plant stories in today's podcast. <music> Early, early every morn, early every morning before the grass is warm. The frost fell heavy, heavy on the lawn. We had a hailstorm up here a couple days ago like none I have ever experienced. Our tomatoes were completely stripped of almost every leaf. My basil <laughs> looks so very sad. And I grow two raised beds of basil plants for our restaurant in Portland as well as for our larger family. And half the plants were knocked in half and leaves were just all surrounding the plants. So we've put covers on them to see if a few days of sun will uh, boost them back up. But this is crazy. We've never had anything like this before. I just spoke to a friend of mine who has a beautiful garden on the backside of her restaurant up here. And she said that most of her plants are just destroyed. They almost lost their fence because they had an awning that comes off of it and the hail was weighing it down so much that the fence was starting to go over and they were able to catch it in time and push that uh, hail off. But this reminds me of a story from a travel story from years ago when we were in Italy and we were visiting the wine country. Uh, we used to go once or twice a year to see different producers that we bought wine from. And we just happened to be there on one of their famed hailstorms that we'd heard about. And it was nothing like anything I've ever experienced with hail. These were the size of golf balls. And the wind blew in the door to our room. It was painful trying to get to that door and get it closed uh, so that the hail wasn't just shooting down the hall to our room. By the time it was over, our rental car looked like someone had taken a ball-ping hammer to the entire thing, and all the vineyards around us, their vines were just flat on the ground. But when we drove just a mile away, we were on kind of a hairpin turn, and when we went around that turn, none of those vineyards were expect were um, were uh, harmed by this hail. It had all just been in this tiny microclimate. We were so worried the rest of our trip what was going to happen when we returned the car. They didn't even blink an eye. They didn't say a word to us. I guess this kind of thing was just kind of common in that area. So I am trying to keep these things in mind that um, it could have been a whole lot worse and uh, the flowers and what few tomatoes were already formed are still there. So fingers crossed, I'm still gonna get some <laughs> vegetables this year. <laughs> so crazy. So this week uh, almost didn't happen. 
I started having some technical difficulties and finally in the end I realized that the microphone that I used for many years, um, my Yeti, just plain went kaput. So uh, the microphone I'm using right now I don't Phil has the very best quality of sound, but uh, it's a clip-on one that I got to do outdoor recordings for upcoming uh, online classes. And uh, very thankful I have this because I really do want to keep this a weekly podcast. I would have had uh, this podcast out a couple days ago, but I uh, needed to get this uh taken care of. <laughs> and I really thought that I was going nuts that I kept talking and nothing was coming through the speakers but I guess that that's what it ended up being. So um, so hi here I am. <laughs> uh, this week's theme is feeding your soul. How do you do it? How do you feed your soul your very core of yourself? Um, and I'm not talking about food. <laughs> Uh, for me, it was making that break we did a dozen years ago to move to the mountain and slow our lives down. Um, I've been really lucky in my adult life to have creative work. I've worked as a chef and restaurant order owner excuse me, for 30 years. Um, when we first moved to the mountain, uh, I thought I was ready to be completely out of town, but I wasn't. And I ended up uh, uh, creating a uh, naturally dyed yarn company with a friend. And we did that for a couple years. And after that, I was really ready ready to just have a break from the city, from people, uh, and just be on this mountain. Uh, my father, who had Parkinson's, lived with us for a couple years. And I feel like that period of time, I really was able to slow down and address what I truly needed. That was when I really felt uh, my connection with plants go so much deeper. I was outside on our property every day, both bringing him out with me and just being out there on my own. And I finally heard those plants speaking back to me, those plants I'm always talking to. They finally started listening and talking back. And after a little while, I had this major epiphany. This is what my childhood was like. I would sit under a weeping willow tree and have deep conversations or sit in the windowsill and talk to the pansies. After a while, the family got a little worried and asked me to please stop doing that. And unfortunately, I did. And here I am almost 50 years later of, well, it is about 50 years later that I'm remembering. And it is feeding my soul. Um, being outside in the garden, working with plant medicine, working with people, connecting them to the plants, that feeds my soul. Talking to you right now, just being with people I love and just love to be with, that all feeds my soul. Writing, writing truly feeds my soul because I feel like I'm able to get out on the page um, thoughts and ideas. I have notebooks upon notebooks. Some of them are just lists of things I want to be doing. Some of them are lists of things I need to create in a given day. Um, 
These are all things that feed me. It is not just getting out in nature, hiking, although I love doing that. It's bringing that energy back with me into the home. It's making dinner with things from my garden and mushrooms that I've gathered in the forest or lettuces I've just bought from a farmer at the farmer's market and we had this great conversation about the salad I was going to make. These are the things that feed my soul. So I ask you, what is it that's feeding your soul? And if you can't detect one or two things a part of your day, don't beat yourself up. But you just need to ask yourself what changes could be made so that you are feeding your soul. I feel like we die little deaths when we don't do this, when we're not feeding ourselves a proper diet, you might say. You know, if you're not doing things that you love, it's like eating McDonald's french fries all the time. It's a different way of feeding yourself a healthy diet. Having a balance, I'm not saying that I'm not sitting in front of the television at night. Uh, We've totally been obsessed with um, the Designated Survivor show lately. We're definitely Netflix watchers. Um, But I try to balance my time. You know, maybe we're watching one or two episodes. We're not sitting down and right after dinner and watching TV until we go to sleep. When we start doing that, we catch ourselves and we change our diet. (laughs) I really love to... Um, after dinner, reconnect outside, whether it is going back in the garden to water plants or um, making sure that my chickens are put away at night. Maybe it's, uh, you know, finishing up a project in the chicken coop. But I really, I really try to um, have a life balance. Um, And I just ask you, You know, what does that look like for you? I think I've been thinking about this quite a bit because my friend Cynthia Morris that I spoke of last week, uh, my writing coach and friend, has been in town visiting from Denver. She was giving a talk at the Total Domination Summit that is happening this weekend in Portland. And uh, while I have just never connected with that, uh, it is pretty inspiring. You should check it out. They've been doing it for almost... I think almost 10 years, and next year is going to be the last one to ever happen. It's an inspiration summit, a creativity summit, and I feel like that is an area that I'm covered on (laughs) just by living here, so I just haven't ever gone, but I did get to spend an afternoon with Cynthia, and um, on the way down, she has recently written a book called the woman's whoops the busy woman's guide to writing a world-changing book you know i had to get this (laughs) and i started reading it but i kept putting it down because i'd been so busy and i really wanted to read it before i was going to be visiting with her and so i downloaded her audio version and i listened to about half of it before i was able to connect with her and i listened to the other half on the way home And I have to tell you, it has been wonderful. For me, I don't have a book in the near future plan. There is an ebook that is in my head, but I 
haven't found the time to get it on paper. <laughs> but I found that the tools that she offered in this book really spoke to me of creating my online classes, um, spoke to me of how to make those tools work just in my life in general. Um, and obviously, it really hit a point of how to feed my soul. So I really want to recommend both buying the book and the audiobook. The audiobook, you get to hear her voice, her sense of humor, and I felt like the overall ideas of the book really came through for me. But within the written book itself, she has lots of inquiries uh, to really kind of ask yourself questions and exercises, uh, writing exercises, and sometimes physical exercises. Uh, how about a dance exercise? <laughs> Ways to connect with your creativity so that you can kind of get over your own hurdles and get to writing. So if you um, need a little creative spark, whether just for journaling, for a class that you want to create, or if you are that busy woman that has a book in you and you want to get it out, I highly, highly recommend Cynthia Morris's book. Um, it is, it has some definite um, to-dos on the process of getting a book uh, from your head to a publisher, whether you're self-publishing or going through a publishing house. Um, and then it has more the creative sparks and writing prompts for uh, getting through different phases of book writing. And this is not a genre book. This is not about writing a novel. In fact, she says if you are looking to write a novel, this is probably not the book that, you're, that you want. This is more process writing, um, and uh, I, I just definitely recommend picking up both versions. One thing that I thought about um, when I came back to the idea with this podcast is that I have so many books, magazines, uh, little pamphlets that I've been meaning to read and they keep getting put off. And so I'm going to use you all as my excuse to get through that stack of books and uh, be able to talk to you a little bit about what I've been reading. So this week is all about that book. I would love to hear what you're reading. You know you can always uh, leave comments on the website. Chickencooppotanicals.com is where the podcast is hosted. Um, well, that is where you'll find the show notes. Um, Podcast.com is where the actual podcast is uploaded, and you can definitely leave comments there as well. If you would like to um, send me an email um, with thoughts, please email me at chickencooppotanicals at gmail.com. So... I have to tell you that I've had a pretty crazy day today. I've had one of those days where I started out with, I'm going to fix this problem with the podcast, and it didn't work. Started to wonder if maybe Mercury, who has already gone into retrograde, because Mercury deals with communications, and I was having a very hard time communicating with you. <laughs> but that is not what's going on in the sky today. Uh, so I decided just to let it go and make some jam. 
Oregon has these wonderful strawberries called hood strawberries. And some years, their season could be as short as two or three days. And this year, uh, we're on our second week. Now, I'm quite sure that hailstorm finished a lot of them. But that same day before the hail started, I got a half flat. And I made a strawberry... Um, basically what I would do for strawberry jam, but I just didn't cook it down quite as much. So now it's going to be a wonderful sauce to go with yogurt or ice cream. Um, it's definitely thick enough to put on some toast. But I love my simple way of doing this. So I just cut my, wash and cut my strawberries, put them in a bowl. Um, the recipe where I have no idea where I ever found this recipe. I think a friend lent it to me, but it was from a newspaper clipping from very long ago. The idea was that you weighed out your strawberries and this equal weight of sugar. <laughs> I certainly don't do that. I just almost cover the strawberries with sugar, not quite. So it's half or even less than that, probably about half. Anyway, I toss the strawberries and the sugar, and then I cover it with um, saran, put it in the fridge, and let it sit for 24 hours. The next day, it has this wonderful syrup, and I put the whole thing in the pot and squeeze lemon through there and cook it until it's at the thickness I like. The lemon helps it keep its color and keeps the foam down that can happen from um, the pectin in the strawberries. Now it's ready. If I wanted to, I could can this. I'm going to put it in smaller containers and put them in the freezer for when we want some sauce. I was really happy that something worked well today. <laughs> uh, and then uh, I started making soaps. Um, as you, If you've looked on my website, you see that I do sell a few soaps on there. I actually sell quite a few more soaps at the farmer's markets and various shows that I go to during the year. So I got caught up on a soap making today. Not completely caught up. I'm extremely behind, but I got uh, my rose face soap made. And that was as much for myself as for anyone else. Um, the rose face soap has rose water in it, rose hip oil, um, infused rose, um, it has a red clay to it. So it's nice, uh, it's a gentle on the skin, but astringent as well. And it is my daily face wash soap. Uh, so that won't be ready for a month, but it will be back on the website, which makes me happy to have that uh, up there again. And then I finally got my um, uh, foot bar. I do a loofah foot bar that I did over the holidays and it was very popular so I finally got some more loofah and got time to make that batch. So I do these in individual round um, forms and each form has a loofah slice in it and then I pour the soap over it and it's a nice detoxifying soap so it's really great. You can use it as a scrub bar in the shower but with the peppermint, lavender, and kajaput, which is another, um, another form of a tea tree. It has the same attributes as tea tree. It's a different plant, but it, it has the same attributes as tea tree oil. And so this is a really nice um, 
cleansing, detoxifying bar. It's wonderful for the feet. So having a nice foot bath with scrubbing your feet with this loofah and um, only part of the loofahs in there. So you can have it with just the soap on your feet and then give yourself a good scrub. So those are both going to be ready in a month. I love creating this kind of thing and it never um, gets old to me to go back and recreate these recipes. I do everything in small batch so that I keep on top of quality control and um, if a recipe just didn't work the first time, I'm not having a huge amount of loss because I am just a tiny little company. Um, I am it for employees. I am chief maker and bottle washer. Pretty fancy. <laughs> uh, by the time I was done with those projects, I decided, let's just try that podcasting thing one more time. And thankfully, it worked. I again apologize if the, and the sound is not quite as great as with my Yeti. I'm going to have to work on uh, reviving this guy. I'm hoping it's not totally kaput. So in the animal realm... I don't know if you follow me on Instagram. Um, I'm on there. I told you last week, I think, um, that you can find my chicken coop botanicals uh, feed there. But I'm also there as Deb Accardi, and that's D-E-B-A-C-C-U-A-R-D-I. I put both different things on both feeds. And yesterday, I was posting on my personal one about our little rabbit, Ava. I mentioned her last week. She's been a pill. Well, she now just feels that she owns the garden. Yesterday I was out there and she just laid down. She looked at me and just laid down. She's like, this is my place. She turned her back to me. <laughs> like, have to find wherever this little spot is she's getting in because she's such a little pill. And yet I love her so much. We are also moving our chickens to a fenced yard. Our chickens have had free range of the property for years. But we've decided to, well, a couple years ago, we started putting in beautiful perennials and wanting to have perennials on the edge of the grass and made sure to research and find ones that the deer wouldn't eat. But we really didn't think about our scratching birds. When the plants were small, they nibbled on the buds, which made it hard for plants to grow healthy. And now that they've gotten above their height for eating, uh, they're just digging at the roots and creating these wonderful dust baths, and they're just in heaven. So we decided it was time for a chicken fence. They have almost a thousand square feet, so it's not like they're in a tiny spot. But getting them all in there has been a challenge. Uh, my husband built a new chicken coop, and so now we have three, <laughs> mine, <laughs> their old one, and this new little one. Um, part of the reason that we didn't just fence that area is that we have zero um, storage in our house, so now we will be able to have a place for storage, which will be nice. We have one room in the house we'd like to make into a second bedroom, but it's had to be storage. So... That's going out there. Then we can put a bed in there. <laughs> um, but uh, the kind of the when you have a lot of chickens, the idea of moving them gets a little challenging. We have about thirty girls and two um, roosters, 
So it was time to divide them. So our big main rooster, the guy in charge, we moved to the new coop along with most of the girls. But my in-laws who live next door and uh, we have uh, bedding up a bedded property, uh, they wanted some chickens. So we moved one of the roosters and three hens or four hens into their little coop. The next morning, those guys were back with the main group. <laughs> We realize we're all kinds of little holes getting into that area. It's because that area is fenced off for them into our orchard. And there were holes in the orchard fence. So those got fixed. And we moved a bunch of the chickens. So you have to move them at night when they're asleep. And you just pull them off of their roost and hang them upside down and carry them by their feet, by their ankles, over to the new coop. And when they wake up in the morning, they think that's where they've always lived. And so they just go out into the new yard. They're perfectly happy. It's in a foresty area, area, so they've got all that wonderful loam to find new little nuggets in. But the few birds, there were some that just were not playing. And as we tried to pull them out, some ran back out into our main yard and we couldn't catch them. So we just let them go back in and go to sleep. And every night we've been just moving a few birds and a few birds but that other rooster, every time that we do this in the evening, he goes running out and grabs, you know, brings a few girls with him. So we haven't been able to get him and his ladies back to that small coop. So tonight, <laughs> the plan is to get them into their new home. It's always something with the animals around here. I love them and they never disappoint me. <laughs> this is not a boring place to live, I have to say. Well, as far as our co-op, last week I told you that I have this plan to bring a food co-op up onto Mount Hood, the Mount Hood Community Food Co-op. Nothing new to report for this week. We are gathering our core group to set our bylaws and then we will have our articles of incorporation done and it'll be time to bring this to our wider community. So if you're listening to this and you live in the villages of Mount Hood and really what we want to service is Sandy clear over to Warm Springs. So keep posted here and I'll be letting you know when this uh, wonderful community meeting is going to take place. It'll definitely be this summer because we've got to start on this. Um, I guess a, for me, it's a continuation of the journey, but I feel like this is really going to be moving into a different phase. And I'm so excited to be sharing uh, the whole process here on uh, the podcast. I did want to tell you about a fundraiser for a really just a beautiful group of people. Um, it's not really for the people, it's for, um, for a new home, for the Global Tea Hut. And I will definitely link Global Tea Hut in the show notes. It is a, a monastery of sorts in Taiwan. And these people are on the path of Zen, the path of tea. So, it might seem odd uh, to be on a path of tea as a Zen monk, but this is a global group of people, myself included, that really believe in um, the tea plant 
as a healer, as a way through knowing tea to know yourself, through drinking organic um, small batch teas supporting the farmers that are growing these teas versus these huge companies like Lipton. Um, this is a way to um, experience the path of Zen, to just be, to be with a cup of tea, to sit in meditation and have that tea focusing uh, yourself and your breath. There is a podcast, the um, Global Tea Huts podcast, that I will also link to because I feel like I am so not explaining this very well, and yet this is such an important group to me. But they are in a position now where they have to move their home, and uh, they always knew, and they have been uh, raising money over the years towards a new a place for the Global Tea Hut to live. And that new place will be called Light Meets Life. But the man that owns uh, their property where it has been located is now ending his, or coming to near the end of his life and he really wants to be back in his childhood home. And so this fundraiser has started in earnest and is really making headway on GoFundMe. And I just want you to go over and look at this beautiful um, fundraiser and what they've already accomplished in the weeks that it has been going. And the, the videos there really show you what uh, the Global Tea Hut is about. And uh, if you feel so moved, you might want to get involved in this. I can't remember exactly how I just, oh, I do remember exactly how I discovered Global Tea Hut. My naturopath um, told me about it. And it is a, they put out a magazine every month. So it is a magazine um, to teach you about tea, to teach you about Zen and how they coexist together. And with each of these magazines, you actually get tea. And I love tea. I'm not a coffee drinker any longer, and I drink tea every morning. But to me, to be drinking these beautiful small batch teas um, that I know are healthy for me, um, it really uh, creates moments of calm, and uh, it has become kind of my healthy habit to start the day with tea and then sit in meditation, uh, thinking sometimes about what I'm drinking, sometimes about the plant path. It uh, just depends. Each tea really has its own focus. I have to say they touch me in different ways. So I hope you will check out uh, this amazing project and group of people. Uh, and while it uh, is placed in Taiwan, I have to say that there is now a global community that not just subscribes to the magazine, but uh, has a conversation happening with uh, definitely on Instagram, but there's even an app where people connect and as they travel through the world, uh, find each other and are able to share tea together um, and lift a cup to uh, the beautiful leaf. So that is it for me for today. 
I'm so happy that I got this out before the week ended. <laughs> and I have a lot more subjects to touch on next week. I hope you have a truly beautiful weekend and do something that feeds your soul. Thank you for listening.